I get furious. I'm like, wait a minute, you're charging more out of my fund than I'm depositing every year. You, you should have seen that. And, you know, she said, well, I don't keep track of who's putting in more or who's not. I'm like, that's your single job. <laughs> that's like your only job. You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown Up. And you know what? Being a grown up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, grown ups. I'd be mad too if I found out that my financial planner wasn't planning on me making more money than she was. That was Zen Bender author Stephanie Krikorian letting loose about not noticing that her investments were earning more for her money manager than for her. How that came to be is a fascinating story considering Stephanie is a very successful financial journalist and ghostwriter. First, a quick welcome here on the Financial Grown Up Podcast. We talk to high achieving financial grown ups, as Stephanie has become, about big money stories that were kind of aha moments in their life. And despite having worked with Stephanie at a couple of places in our years covering financial news, I had no idea that someone as smart as Stephanie is, well, I can't believe this happened. I will let Stephanie fill you in, but boy, is this a life lesson. Here is Zen Bender author, Stephanie Krikorian. Hey, Stephanie Krikorian, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And thank you for sending over a copy of your new book, Zen Bender, a decade-long enthusiastic quest to fix everything that was never broken. I think the most relatable book of the year, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. And I say, my friend, I should let our listeners in on uh, an open secret. Stephanie and I go way back. I think we shared an office in one of our first jobs back. Was it CNBC? CNBC. And that was the 90s, maybe. I oh think it might have been <laughs> the late 90s. <laughs> yes, we were babies then. <laughs> How little we knew about what would go on with our lives and careers at the time. That's true. It has been quite a journey and we've both made our way through the gauntlet of different media jobs over the years. Just give us some context for where you've been and then we're going to get into your money story, which is an expansion of something that's in the book. Sure. CNBC, first job out of graduate school. And I worked in a bunch of different newsrooms after that. And in 2008, I was laid off and I started ghostwriting books for celebrities, mostly on self-help. And I've been doing that for the past decade, I guess. And that's sort of the framework of Zen Bender that decade. Right. And I remember being so in awe of you when you left your, I guess it was your final corporate job at Reuters. I was at Reuters, but in a totally different division. And I remember thinking, whoa, that is the coolest thing. It was a bold move at the time because I had been laid off and then I got that job and then I quit. I know. I quit too. I quit there too. It took me a decade longer, but those were those were good union jobs. So yes. it's tough to quit a good job. It's also tough to be laid off. And your money story has to do with something that sure looked smart when you got laid off. You went to a financial planner to make sure everything was in order. Tell us your money story, Stephanie. Yes. So basically I get laid off and I did two quick things. I refinanced while I still had a paycheck coming in because rates were down and they hadn't been for a while. I thought that was a smart thing to do. Secondly, I went to this financial planner and mo merged several 
401ks because I had been at several jobs and never really paid much attention to, to it. I, I always put in the max that I could, et cetera. But I thought this will help me move it. And then I can focus on finding a job or starting a business, whichever I'm going to do. And I remember meeting with this financial planner and asking a very specific question. How are you paid? And my understanding when I left that meeting and I interviewed people for a living, so I feel fairly confident I was given a certain answer and didn't make that mistake, but maybe I did. My understanding was the payment for the financial planner was based on money I made so that if I made 10%, the financial planner was paid a percentage of that. So I do all these things and I am on my own little austerity program. I'm doing a single pump of shampoo. You can read about all the crazy things I did to not waste money while I was trying to you know, make sure I didn't overspend. I was trying to stay in my budget. I invested, I knew I had to save even when there was no money coming in, even though I cut everything else out, I scraped together a certain amount of money. So in the meantime, I go on this, start going on this Zen bender because I start reading self-help books. I've reinvented myself. I start reading self-help books. I start getting And this is all because you're ghostwriting a lot of them too. So you're really immersing yourself in your material. That's how it started. I really was immersing myself in the material because everybody has a book idea and then they say, oh, it's like the Susie Orman of such and such or the Marie Kondo of such and such. So I was reading for research. But as I read, I also got a little obsessed because I said, oh, my God, there's all these fixes out there. I must have all these holes in my life to fill. I'm single. I'm thick around the middle because everyone wants to lose a few pounds. I'm trying to figure out my career. So I started grasping at all these things a little more than necessary as per the research. And so I take my eye off the ball of what I think I had set up with the financial planner. And I spend hordes of money on Reiki and rainbow healers and dating coaches. Coaches, you know, I could have basically probably gone to law school instead and done something productive. But all of this time, I think, you know, I've made my budget, I'm following the rules, I'm being careful. But somewhere in all that mismatch, kind of the point of the Zen bender was I lost a little bit of confidence. I stopped trusting my gut and I kind of took my eye off the ball of the important things and ceded a lot of power to these you know, this dating coach is telling me you've got to wear high heels and have shiny hair in order to find a husband because he'll think you're fertile. Right. And, he'll and probably very expensive heels too. Oh my God, $200 a pop. But if you do five, then of course, XYZ is going to happen. The doors will open up. I had started treating my business like a business. You know, even though it's writing, I formed an LLC. I have a lawyer. I outsource things like copy editing because I wanted to only do the work that was mission critical. So I was making enough money. It wasn't like I was on my credit card doing this stuff. You know, I, there were lean years the first couple of years. Then I started getting on my feet and I started making enough money. Somewhere in there, I have, I have a call from my financial planner. Also in fairness, if I step back and look at it, she gave me a couple of pieces of advice, which were sell all your stock <laughs> from your first job, which was General Electric stock, which at the time was not a good suggestion, and dump this apartment even at a loss. And I disregarded both pieces of advice. I was not going to dump that apartment at a loss. I was going to make my payments and I was going to save it, that investment. So I, I didn't take that warning sign. You know, that should have made me a little nervous. And it didn't because I knew better. I'd worked in financial news like you, and I, I knew that wasn't right. Every year I'm putting together the maximum I can scrape in and put in, but nothing's really moving in the fund. And I'm in one of those funds as you age, you know, with a term in the end. The target date funds, which sometimes have double fees. Sometimes those can be very expensive. Right. And I didn't seem to be doing a lot. And I thought, oh, it must just be the time, you know, whatever. So we have this call 
And she suggests, since I've reached a certain milestone, she explains there's this, you know, almost like a fund of funds with these various ETFs and the same thing. It sort of ages as you go. And it's really something to consider. I said, okay, great. I guess so. Sure. And she said, and the fee is so much less. It's almost half or whatever. And I said, oh, what's the fee been generally? Because it shouldn't, you know, we haven't made a lot of money, so it couldn't possibly be very high. And she tells me the percentage and I do the math and I, I, I get furious. I'm like, wait a minute, you're charging more out of my fund than I'm depositing every year. You, you should have seen that. And, you know, she said, well, I don't keep track of who's putting in more or who's not. I'm like, that's your single job. <laughs> that's like your only job to be, maybe you should have stopped and said, Hey, I don't think you need to be in here. Just go to Fidelity and buy a fund. I was mad at her, but honestly, I was more mad at myself because the one thing I probably should have spent the time on was understanding what was going on there. But I got so lost in the haze of all the chaos and life change that was happening that I trusted the professional to handle it. And I don't think she she didn't do anything negligent or anything like that. She did what she told me she would do. It's just, I didn't double check. And I think you have to stay on top of these things because the single most important thing is your money, period. It really is. So what is the lesson for our listeners, Stephanie? Double check, double check, double check. And then quarterly, when you have those check-ins, check. And maybe you're smarter than the expert. Maybe if you're in a single fund, there's investigate the other ways to invest in that single fund so that you don't pay the load that you're paying a financial planner who has much wealthier clients to make money off of. And was she a fiduciary? Do you know, was she a CFP? Was she a fiduciary? Yep. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. It was, a, it was a big firm and all, and she wasn't doing anything wrong. Right. She did her job. And she informed you, you just didn't hear, I guess is what you're saying. I, I misunderstood at the beginning and I was an You're early a financial client. Journalist. I oh my goodness, Stephanie, what hope is there for everybody else? I, I know. <laughs> and I wonder, I was an early client of hers and she was just starting out and I liked her because she's a woman and she was new and people were giving me a chance and I gave her a chance and I still don't regret that. But I think, you know, this things aren't transparent. You can't tell how much you pay in fairness to anybody. It's hard to tell what percentage you're paying in these things. And so I think you have to ask those questions regularly because things also change and nobody reads the fine print. So you have to do your own annual or semi-annual check-in. And now I do, I check very rigorously all my financial statements. I check my bank account to see, you know, my bank account got hacked. If I didn't check as frequently as I did, I would never have known. So you, Oh my goodness. It did. Yeah. They, they had my name. They had my bank account must've been off a piece of paper or a bill. And They were trying to get in there and they didn't get anything. But so you have to always check. Nothing to do with your money should ever be on autopilot. Even paying your bills, you know, you can miss a bill because autopilot is not the way to go. And that's for your financial planning and your daily accounts. You got to keep tally. Wow. All right, Stephanie. So for we do an everyday money tip on this show and I kind of want to go off script. I want to ask you, how much do you think you spent ballpark (laughs) or you can be detailed on all this wellness stuff in the decade? What do you think? And and give me some highlights of things. I know you are flying. For example, here's a book teaser. Everyone needs to get the book Zen Bender because how many times were you flying to LA to get your hair colored? Just three times a year. Just three times a year flying to LA. And then in between, you were dyeing your hair yourself. I'm not going to, I got no problem with the, the price of the hair color, but how much 
what was the cost of the damage from your mishaps trying to self trying, trying to color your hair yourself? <laughs> that was thousands of dollars a, probably in damage. $18,000 fix. I've already priced it out. <laughs> All right. So how much have you spent? And can you give us some, some everyday money tips on how to spend less than you did on wellness? Sure. So you, you can get really caught up into these things. The average price for any of these sessions is $200. It's very easy to get. For what? I'm sorry. $200 for what? Uh, like Reiki, the astrologist, acupuncture, $200 seems to be the going rate of 2019. And buying five packs is very easy to get caught up in. I would say this try anything because there's a placebo effect or you find it inspiring. Try anything once. Don't buy the five packs. Just try it and see and then step away and think of it. Don't get caught up in it. But more importantly, what I found after all of the sessions and all of the coaches and thousands of dollars on a dating coach, I'm still single, all the diets I tried and paid for. And I think of how much per pound I've spent trying to lose the same five, 10 pounds. Go for a walk and then go for another walk and then walk for more, longer, longer, longer. Walking solves all my problems. And it took me, I knew that at the beginning and then I didn't figure it out to the end, but it helps creatively. It helps anxiety. It does the same trick as some of this other stuff does. And it helps you work out and it's good for your health. And so do that. That's that's my suggestion and save save some money and do everything that you want to do, but just once in a while, don't go on a Zen bender like I did and hit it all hard all at once all the time. Amazing advice. And it's so true about walking. I get all my best ideas when I'm walking and it's also a great way to socialize instead of going somewhere and spending money on food that will cost you money and weight. What was the scariest thing to write? Oh, a lot of it was scary. It set out to be a book on humor, you know, a humor book on all these crazy things I tried. And then as I wrote it, I'm like thinking, well, why did I do that? I I think a couple of things quickly, how much weight has held me back in life. And, you know, we're all, we all wish we were a little thinner. I think, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody. And I think I'm raising my hand. Exactly. And we all wish that we could drop a few pounds. And I spent a little bit too much time obsessing about that. And I, that was sort of disappointing. And I was surprised I was able to put that on the page because I really don't like to talk about it. Um, I think being single, you know, I kind of likened, um, likened the dating at I'm 50 now, but this whole book took place in my forties. It's like shopping at Marshall's or TJ Maxx. Everything is picked over. It's like seconds right now. So that was (laughs) a lot for me to talk about. And I'm not, you know, I had a hard time with that. The realization I came to through writing and through discussing it is that after doing the Marie Kondo, I Marie Kondo the living crap out of my house, including my freezer, did the doors open up? I don't know. But I learned to say no to things that didn't bring me joy. And I don't think that was her intent in the book. And I think that was as interesting as it wasn't hard to write about that, but it was an interesting learning experience for me that that takeaway kind of came through the process of trying to be funny about folding my socks, rolling my socks a certain way that all of a sudden I realized, wow, I have a hard time saying no to things. And now I'm a little better at it. We're all working on that. I think that's a big theme these days is do it. Sometimes it's okay to just decline an invitation, even if you don't have a conflict, just say, I'm sorry, I can't make it. And don't elaborate. Exactly. All right, Stephanie, you're wonderful. Where can people find out more about you and Zen Bender? You can follow me on social media, Instagram and Twitter at Steffi Crick, S-T-E-P-H-I-E-K-R-I-K. I I have a website that's my name, stephaniecrickorian.com. And Zen Bender is on Amazon and in bookstores and I think on Target and where books are sold, I guess they say. Where books are sold. (laughs) Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you so much, Bobby. Here we go. Financial grown-up tip number one. Buy what you want if you want to be trying things. That's always all good. But when Stephanie talks about buying the five packs, 
That applies to pretty much any upsell that you get in life. Yes, you do get a better price per item, but you also get more items than you want or need. Financial grown-up tip number two, if you aren't sure that you understand how someone controlling your money gets paid, keep asking until you are beyond 100% sure. Stephanie is educated and smart and was literally writing about money for her job, but she made assumptions that were not correct. As a financial grown-up, I love that she takes ownership that maybe she didn't understand what she thought she did. It can happen to any of us if it can happen to Stephanie. Read and reread. And then as Stephanie recommends, go do regular check-ins as she now does. And of course, be careful with automation. It is a great tool for regular bills and such, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be checking as well. How are you doing on this front? Do you understand how people or companies that hold your money are paid? Is free really free? If there are maybe commissions or fees in there that you may not know about, maybe they're disclosed in very tiny print. Because if something is truly free, well, then how is the company making money? You need to ask, what is going on on the other side? I want to hear from you. Let me know what you think about all of this by DMing me on the socials. On Instagram, I am at BobbyRebel1, on Twitter at BobbyRebel. And please, if you are getting value from this show, share the love, tell a friend. And also, of course, we love reviews. Everyone, go feel better. Spend some money on yourself. It's okay. Just don't go too crazy. Have some laughs by picking up a copy of Zen Mender as well. It will also make you feel great. You will laugh along with Stephanie. It's an awesome book. I loved it. And thank you to Stephanie Kerkorian for helping us all be financial grown-ups. Financial Grown-Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.